morning, everyone. Thank you for participating in that exercise. I promise we'll get better as we go along. I know when I was doing the videotape, I think it was the fourth try, so I have to admit I spoiled some, some cups before I got it right. But um, yeah, it's a little bit inconvenient, but we can manage that. It's a great celebration. It's something that we do as an act of obedience, and it's corporate obedience as we come together and celebrate the Lord's Supper. Thanks, Wayne, for leading us this morning. Appreciate that. The title for the message this morning is Looking Forward to the Blessed Hope. Pastor John Piper offers this clarification. Biblical hope is not, not only desires something good for the future, it expects it to happen. I want you to leave the worship center this morning looking forward to the blessed hope with an expectation that something good is going to happen based on the revealed plan of God. With that in mind, turn with me once again to that passage that Wayne referred to earlier. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It's where the Apostle Paul gives instructions for the Lord's Supper. But notice verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You may want to underline or highlight those last three words. We are to continue to celebrate the Lord's Supper, until he comes. And that implies that he is going to return at some point in the future. But until he comes, we're going to keep on eating bread and drinking from the cup. Perhaps the Lord's Supper is for the church what Remembrance Day is to our nation. A constant reminder of the price that has been paid for our freedom, the freedom that we enjoy today. And I apologize ahead of time. I hope you got the sermon notes at the back. We're going to, it's going to feel like a sword drill today. We're going to be turning to a number of passages, but turn with me to Acts chapter 1, please. Acts begins where the gospel according to Luke ends. Jesus has died, he was buried, on the third day he rose from the dead, and then he presented himself alive to many witnesses over a period of 40 days. Look at verse 3 of Acts chapter 1. To these, that is to the apostles, he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days, and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Let's continue reading. Verse 9. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, 
And a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them, probably angelic messengers. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. So according to these two men, Jesus is going to return in the same way that he left. And verse 11 tells us, he will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. So it will be a visible, bodily, triumphant return. We won't be singing away in a manger, no crib for his bed. Not this time. One more. Turn with me to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 and beginning at verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Beloved, we're without excuse. There is no excuse. Salvation has been made available and accessible to all. All who will respond appropriately to God's initiative by acknowledging you're a sinner, by asking God for forgiveness, by repenting of your sin, and by, get, by beginning to trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. That's what an appropriate response looks like. And it leads to your salvation. God has appeared bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age, today, looking for the blessed hope, there it is, and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Looking for the blessed hope. Remember a song we used to sing Back in my younger days, marvelous message we bring, glorious carol we sing, wonderful word of the king, Jesus is coming again, coming again, coming again, maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, and maybe soon, Jesus is coming again. To be a Christian is to believe in the second coming, the second advent, or the return of Christ, whichever label you would prefer to use. Jesus is coming again. And on that point, all believers are in agreement. Jesus is coming again. So the question is not, will he return? 
or even how will he return, but when will he return? And on that question, there continues to be much study, debate, writing, and even some speculation. Eschatology is defined simply as the study of last things or future events. More specifically, the study of what the scriptures reveal about God's plan to wrap up his redemptive plan, the end of all things. It is sometimes referred to the end times or the last days. Wayne Grudem draws the line in the sand. Unbelievers can make reasonable predictions about future events based on patterns of past behaviors. That almost sounds like something that Dr. Phil would say. The best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. But Grudem continues, Yet they, meaning unbelievers, can have no certain knowledge of any future event. But Christians who believe the Bible are in a different situation. Although we cannot know everything about the future, God knows everything about the future. And he has in scripture told us about the major events yet to come in the history of the universe. About these events occurring, we, we can have absolute confidence because God is never wrong and he never lies. We know that Jesus is coming again. And let me give you just a list of some of those other future major events that are standing, awaiting to be fulfilled in the future. The rapture. The marriage supper of the Lamb. The Bema seat of judgment. The tribulation. The coming of the Antichrist. The day of the Lord. The millennial kingdom. The great white throne judgment. And there are others. The list could go on. But that gives us a pretty good sample of the events that are yet to happen. And around which continues much debate as to when they will happen. Especially in terms of timing. But this morning we want to focus on the rapture. But before we go there, I want to review a sentence that is actually found in our Raw Community Church Statement of Faith. This is found under the heading, End Times. At a time known only to God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ will return bodily and in glory, receive his own believers, and establish his earthly thousand-year reign. That last statement is an important one. That is where our discussion this morning on the rapture needs to begin. We here at the Rock Community Church believe in a premillennial return of Jesus Christ. Others, other Christian churches, believe in a postmillennial return, or the most popular nowadays is an amillennial approach. To end times. And I'm not going to take 
time to discuss those this morning. We will save that for another day. But I want us to understand that the Rock Community Church and the Associated Gospel Churches of Canada, which consists of 150 churches spread out across Canada, and others around the globe too, we are believing or we're part of a premillennial camp as we approach this topic of the rapture. We need to understand that. Which means that we believe that the New Testament church does not replace the nation of Israel. God is not finished with the nation of Israel. Jesus will return and set up here on earth a kingdom in which he will rule for 1,000 years. You may want to check Revelation chapter 20 on your own time this week. That's where there's a clear explanation of this millennial kingdom that is yet future. Notice the diagram that's included in the sermon notes you received. You'll see one on the screen behind me as well. This is an eschatological timeline. You'll notice the two arrows, one pointing up represents the ascension that we just talked about, read about in Acts chapter 1. The one pointing down represents the return of Jesus Christ that all believers will affirm. And that just comes prior to the millennial kingdom, that thousand year reign. The period between the arrow going up and that little first blue line is where you and I live and work and play today. It's often called the church age. And probably, I should have maybe perhaps as that line approaches, that little blue vertical line had dots. Because we really don't know when this church age will be done. That's not revealed in scripture. The tribulation in between the um, that little blue line and the second arrow that points down is a seven-year period referred in Daniel's prophecy, in Daniel chapter 9, as the 70th week. It will be a period of suffering, the kind of suffering that this world has, has never known. More than once, according to the book of Revelation, one-third of the earth's population will be wiped out. So if that were to happen today, it would mean one-third of 7.8 billion people would die. Never mind COVID-19. During this seven-year period, God's judgment and wrath will be poured out on this earth like never before. Now, all that was just background to what we really want to talk about this morning, the rapture of the church. The term rapture is not found in Scripture. It actually comes from a Latin word, rapturo, which means literally to seize, I seize, I snatch, or I carry away. In the Vulgate, which is the Latin translation of the scriptures, 
it translates a Greek word called harpadizo. Harpadizo means to I catch up or I carry away. Now, what I'd like to do is direct us to three passages of scriptures that encourage us to look forward to the rapture. Turn with me, first of all, to John chapter 14. These were Jesus' words of comfort to his most intimate ministry companions while they were still in that upper room in the city of Jerusalem on the very night that he would be betrayed. Handed over to both civil and religious authorities who would eventually take his life by crucifixion. In John chapter 13, Jesus instituted what we celebrated this morning, the Lord's Supper. He washed his disciples' feet, identified and dismissed his betrayer, predicted his death and Peter's denial. And then we read these words. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where would Jesus be again? Reunited with his Father in heaven, right? Let's continue reading verse 4. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He was returning to the Father, and he promised to come and take them there, to our Father who is in heaven. And the point is, looking forward to his return was intended to calm their troubled hearts. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul was reinforcing the truth of a bodily resurrection. There was some debate whether it was really believable or not. People were struggling, wondering, "Mm, I don't know. But to reject a bodily resurrection is to gut the gospel. Notice verse 14 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith also. If Jesus wasn't resurrected bodily, then we have a problem. And again, in verse 17, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. Jesus' bodily resurrection is a non-negotiable. Remember, he was the first fruits, the first one to be raised from the dead. We too will be raised in like manner. Believers to an eternal life with God forever and unbelievers to eternal damnation. Paul in verses 35 to 49 addresses the resurrection of believers who've already died. And then beginning at verse 50, he wrote, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Now he's addressing people who are alive when Christ returns. And see, we cannot go where Jesus is. There needs to be a change. Verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. Remember in the Bible, a mystery is not Sherlock Holmes kind of mystery. It is a mystery that this is a truth that we cannot figure out on our own. It requires a divine revelation in order for us to know this. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable, this body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal must put on immortality. Turn now to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4. The believers in Thessalonica were concerned about loved ones who had, who had died. They're concerned that they were going to miss Jesus' return, his coming again. Beginning at verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him, bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not proceed those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. This isn't going to be a, a back room secret mission. 
He's announcing it. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So, when will the rapture occur? You have four choices. Prior to the tribulation, that little blue line to when Jesus returns, can be prior to that. Halfway through that tribulation period, at the three and a half year mark of that seven year period. After the tribulation, but prior to the start of the millennial kingdom. Or, prior to God outpouring of his wrath on this world. Whenever that happens during that seven-year period. These positions or understandings or interpretations are often referred to as pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, or pre-wrath, raptures of the church. Now my understanding based on what I've been taught, read, and studied over the years, is that a pre-tribulation rapture provides the, represents best what the scriptures reveal. So on our diagram, you can add something like this. Just above that short little blue line, we can have Jesus coming and doing a U-turn as we meet him in the air. That is my understanding of how Jesus will return in just the same way as his disciples saw him go. The trumpet will sound and all believers will meet him in the air. The dead will rise first and then we who are still alive at the time of Jesus' coming will join them in the air. Listen to these words from 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Listen carefully. So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people. He knows how to rescue godly people from their trials even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment and in the context of that verse that word trials can is probably referring to the wrath of god that is going to be poured out during the tribulation period Similar ideas presented in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia, for wherever we go we find people telling us about your faith in God. We don't need to tell them about it, for they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from idols to serve the living and true God. And they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven, 
Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. New International Bible translates that last phrase, who rescues us from the wrath to come. One more. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. Last book of the Bible, easy to find. Chapter 3. In chapters 2 and 3, you'll remember that the Apostle John is carrying messages to seven first century churches located in the province of Asia. The church at Philippi receives this word of encouragement in chapter 3, verse 10. Because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing, from the hour of tribulation. That hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. One commentator makes the point concise and clear. The fact that scripture speaks of wrath that will overtake the whole world, but that believers will be rescued from it or kept from it, points to a pre-tribulation rapture. Here's something you may find interesting as well. Turn to Revelation, back to Revelation chapter 1. This is my final shot. Verse 19. Therefore, write the things which you have seen. It's Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. So write the things that you have seen. So that's looking back, right? The past. And the things which are, that's looking around at the present. And the things which will take place after these things, that's looking ahead into the future. And that forms the outline, the entire outline of the book of Revelation, that verse. The things that we have seen is chapter 1. The things which are presently, that's chapters 2 and 3, those seven churches. And the things which will take place is presented in chapters 4 through to the end of the book. Yet future. And here's what's really interesting. Those first three chapters, the church is mentioned 17 times. And never again until the final chapter. Where's the church? The church's absence is noticeable. And God, it's a time when God again, during that tribulation period, works with the nation of Israel. And there will be a revival like this world has never seen amongst that nation as they return to Jehovah, their God. Now all that's from a pre-tribber. But the main point is, Jesus is coming again. 
Maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, and maybe soon. Beloved, we can look forward to a blessed hope and the imminent return of Jesus Christ. And by imminent, I mean that nothing else has to happen between now and that next major event in biblical prophecy. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18. Be hopeful. Encourage others. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good works. Not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. And the day is drawing near. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Regardless of the increasing or decreasing numbers of COVID-19 cases. Or whatever else may threaten your sense of peace and contentment. Be anxious about nothing. That's a command. We know from our previous study of the book of Ecclesiastes. He is a sovereign God with a detailed plan for this world, for your life, and for my life. A plan that is permanent, perfect, purposeful, purposeful, and predictable. Jesus is saying to you today, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Entrust your life to him. Allow him to become the leader of your life. If you will do that, you can look forward to the rapture. The blessed hope and appearing of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Be hopeful. Encourage one another. Father, you are God of hope. You're our God of hope. And yet Jesus warns us, in this world we'll have trouble. And certainly we have had a great reminder of that on a global scale during these COVID-19 days. Then all the unrest that has bubbled to the surface in a society that appears to be at the end of the Romans chapter 1 slide, away from you, where you have given us up, as a culture, so that everyone is demanding to do what is right in their own eyes, not to mention the self-inflicted troubles we bring on ourselves as we wrestle with the, with the lingering habits from the old life. It is a battle. Enable us to maintain a healthy perspective. The Bible is so clear. This world is not our permanent home. We're just passing through. Pilgrims. 
looking forward to a home yet to come, a home not built by human hands. May this blessed hope stimulate to live our li- stimulate us to live our lives in ways that that please you, fulfill your plans and purposes, and benefit others by the power of your indwelling spirit for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.